Welcome to I Am, I Have, brought to you by Happiful Magazine, Counselling Directory and the Happiful app. On this podcast, we speak with wonderful people and find out more about the passions that shape their lives, as well as their reflections on their own mental health and well-being. Today, we're speaking to Martin Robinson, founder of The Book of Man, journalist, editor and author of You Are Not The Man You're Supposed To Be. We chat about masculinity, going back to basics and being an entrepreneur. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to let you know that Counselling Directory has a wide range of therapists across the UK who are ready to start working with you today, online, over the phone and face-to-face when the time is right. Visit counselling-directory.org.uk for more information or search on the free Happful app. Now, back to Martin. We hope you enjoy listening today. And if you do, please share your thoughts using the hashtag I am, I have, and rate and leave us a review if you like what you hear. It helps others to find us and we read every comment you post. I'm so pleased to be speaking to founder of The Book of Man, journalist, editor, and author of You Are Not the Man You Are Supposed to Be, Into the Chaos of Modern Masculinity, Martin Robinson. Thank you so much for joining us again today, Martin. Thanks for having me. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to everyone who's listening. But yeah, we will talk about the fact that this is our second time chatting. So if you could just share a bit about yourself with anyone listening, that would be great. Yeah, I'm a journalist. I've been a journalist for um, 25 years, working in men's magazines, places like The Enemy and I was editor of Shortlist for a time. And then I, a few years ago, just launched The Book of Man, which is a, a new website magazine thing which is about masculinity and looks at all the issues facing men today and aims to be a kind of support network for men. In particular, we look at mental health and uh, relationships and um, the issues that men don't usually like to talk about. So we use the Book of Man as a place to do that and to you know, drop the act somewhat and uh, sort of reveal what's really going on. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's kind of me. I'm also um, got two children, live in South London, and that is pretty much it. And I'm from the north. I mean, you just said the, the new website, The Book of Man, and it's interesting because we spoke two years ago when it was new. And since then, it's gone on to, to win awards and a huge amount of people are following it. And one of the amazing things about The Book of Man, I think, is is the tone of the site and the fact that you get people really chatting, you get men talking about what's important to them in a way that I haven't seen happening anywhere else before. How's it been over the last two years to see that grow? That's been the best thing really to not only interview sort of famous faces and people who are beginning to kind of share these kind of details, but also just the amount of men who get in touch wanting to share their own stories. You know, we've done events and Part of the part of the best thing about those is um, kind of audience participation. But you know, I get I get emails all the time just from people just saying thanks for what's going on or relating to a particular article or just or a lot of them just end up writing stories for us and just sharing sharing what what's happened. But also, it's not just men either. It's half our audience are women. On that front, we also have a lot of mums and sisters sort of often talking about their their brothers or or sons who have been through some kind of difficulties. So it sort of feels really nice and in- inclusive you know and that was something that was there from the start really and we, I mean, we never really wanted it to be just like a pure male space where we can you know like a, a manosphere kind of thing we can wind <laughs> each other up and it's as against the world kind of thing it was always supposed to be let's improve our dialogue with the people around us and trying to yeah make it as uh, 
yeah, just this that inclusive space as it possibly could be. So that's that's been great. It's been it's just been lovely, really. Actually, running the business side has been tough. Keeping it together, you know, as as a as a lovely nice resource for people has been nothing but a joy it's something that i've recommended to a number of men in my life especially over the last year with with covid happening who have really suffered from anxiety and redundancies sometimes the tone as i I mentioned before of, of mental health support from dedicated mental health websites can feel a bit medicalized can feel a bit not necessarily relevant for day to day if you're not looking purely for help and I think that's what the book of man does so well it wraps it up in a conversation and there's so much more you know you said you've done events as well you took it to Glastonbury you took the book of man to Glastonbury a couple of years ago which looked amazing you have podcasts as well and I just wanted to take this opportunity to really champion it to our audience as well thanks very much yeah I mean I I think the humor is 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 the main thing that's probably some of the learnings that I've had from my career in men's magazines bringing that kind of sensibility of, of bringing people in through a lot of jokes but rather than just directing them to sort of suits and watches you can kind of direct them towards their emotions everything that we write it comes from a thing where we're in the same boat not telling anyone what to do or telling them off or telling them to get it wrong it's kind of like it, luckily as it turns out all the sort of traps that men fall into around these kind of things i'm the worst i'm terrible at it so it's from that space that we're, tr- we're all in it together trying to discover a way to perhaps open up and, and become uh, happier humans. I think it's wonderful and you're not alone with that. I mean, I've had several points where I realised that I write and talk about mental health in a way that I don't necessarily practice myself at times. So I think that's one of the interesting things of, of working in this space is you can often talk about it and and not reflect that back in your own behaviours. But we will come to that later, I think, as well, because I want to start with your first I am, which is I am not the man I'm supposed to be. And I would love you to start from the beginning with this and and tell us all about the book how it came about and why you're not the man you're supposed to be well the book is 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 subtitled into the chaos of modern masculinity so it's a real journey about the last few years i suppose and and what i've experienced at the book of man who i've met it's trying to assess the scale of the problems that men are facing today and in particular looking at some of the issues more visible issues that have come up over the last few years so it's an attempt to really gather everything together so the mental health crisis the male suicide statistic of being the biggest killer of men under 45 in the uk which is the growing figure now um also me too and uh men's relationship to women so the book is attempt to bring all that together and it's told through my own personal perspective as well though so it's it's told through my own journey through this and from the idea that I'm, I haven't got all the answers, but I'm trying to meet people who might be able to give me a bit of a clue. So there's some famous faces in there, like Professor Green and Jason Fox, people who, who work on the Book of Man quite a lot, and lots of experts and academics looking at things like hegemonic masculinity and what exactly that is. And also just evolutionary psychologists as well to see, you know, his, you know what the, with the stretch of evolution, what are certain ingrained things that we can never really escape from. So, yeah, bringing all that together, but told through my own little journey through it all. And I, I do sort of, again, I'm trying to make it quite funny as well. So I do things like um, get a drag makeover. I looked gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but it was terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and also like go to the cage fighting i did an intimacy jam which was about trying to get yourself more comfortable with touching people in a non-sexual way but just yeah. being more intimate so you can be more open um, but it starts off with your podcast you know that Yes, we had a conversation. So as I said at the beginning, two years ago, when this podcast was really new, Book of Man was relatively new as well. And we had a conversation which was fantastic. And you talked really openly about your work. And I asked you a question at the end about your younger self. And well, you tell the story. Yeah, yeah. You asked me about well, I'll tell it in the book and, you know, we're having a chat and uh, and I was quite hung over that day. I'm not sure if you noticed, but um, which tends to make me a little bit more unguarded when I'm <laughs> like that. I tend to I tend to rabbit on, you know, in a certain kind of. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you asked me, asked me a question about the end, what you'd say to your teenage self. And I sort of remember saying, get your hair cut, buy some better clothes and it'll be all right. And at that moment, I just started to cry and burst out in tears, like properly crying, like not even like a little sort of like that was emotional, but like properly crying, which was really embarrassing. I mean, it was quite, you know, an honest moment, but it was really embarrassing. And I was kind of like got out of there and ran off. I mean, I don't know how it was from your perspective, but I felt really privileged that we'd had that conversation. It felt like a very honest truthful conversation and you'd said at the beginning you'd been at a book of man event the night before and you'd had quite a bit of whiskey and you were you were feeling you were feeling it and we were definitely talking about you know the highs and lows and when we we came to the end I just remember holding my breath when you were saying that because it felt it felt like you were being honest and vulnerable in a way that that I hadn't encountered anywhere else and I was a little bit lost as to you know, we'd only just met. I was a little bit lost as to what I should do next and also thought, fuck, I've just made this person talk about something that's upset them. So it just shows the two different perspectives. But um, yeah. that's still one of my favourite podcasts because you were so deeply honest and unguarded. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, thank you. You know, and it, it was, a, yeah, it was a, you know, in the aftermath, it was a pretty important kind of moment for me which hence why it kind of starts off the book because I, I left you went out and I was still crying on the street and stuff like this and I was on the phone to my girlfriend going oh my god I can't believe I'm crying and I was on a podcast and I can't believe it and then I went into the into a pub and I sat down had a pint of pint got myself together a little bit and so you know and I just thought what am I doing I'm just such a bloke like starting to cry and what am I doing I've just gone straight into a pub Pine a pine, there we go, sorted. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, coming coming to look at coming to start the book, I suddenly thought that was a moment actually because that really showed me that I've still got loads of issues that I'm not dealing with, and I am doing this website and showing a real interest here. And why? Why am I really interested in all this? Mm. Is it because I've got lots of stuff that I haven't got into before? And you know, and I wonder if part of the exploration can be not only looking outside myself and what's going on with other men but maybe also looking at myself as well so that that became an important part of the book really and that was my real sort of you know springboard from there and uh yeah and so and so from that personal perspective I mean it then then the book starts with me going back up to Hull I'm from Beverly just outside Hull town outside Hull 
and I go to Andy's Man Club in Hull and uh, have an experience there. And and I, I kind of did a lot of those experiences, which weren't just purely kind of observational journalism kind of things. It was doing it as, as a normal person would, you know, and, and doing it from the perspective of what can this do for me? So, I mean, Andy's Man Club is, I assume a lot of people have heard of it, but it's um, it's kind of like a men's group, free men's group that runs up and down the country. I think 21, 22 cities, maybe more mm. now. And it's a, it's a great thing. And um, it's, it's kind of group therapy, basically, but done in a really no frills way. Seems to go down particularly well in sort of working class communities. And a guy called Luke Ambler, who I'm sure you know, former rugby player, no nonsense kind of guy, is brilliant. And he is kind of was his brainchild, really. But yeah, I mean, you go there and you sit around in a, in a circle with other blokes, and there's it's not it's not like a harsh come on, let's sort it out at all. It's just a bit. It's it's just like no frills. It's going around the circle, the rugby ball gets passed to you, and then you talk, or you don't. It's kind of up to you, you know, what you want to do, and there's no pressure. But I couldn't believe how warm everyone was in there. It was it was not something I expected. I mean, the first question that came to me. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say what went in the room too much but from my perspective it just came to me and I just said look well I think it was kind of like how's your week been I said well I've, I've come up here and I'm just trying to sort about I'm trying to look at my mental health problems and perhaps deal with this for the first time um I just said that and everyone clapped I was like this is weird I don't know I just didn't expect it I was kind of just thought oh, you know the idea of speaking in front of strangers about your personal stuff is terrible in front of a bunch of blokes from Hull who, yes, where my family are from, but it was brilliant and they were really, really nice. And I just thought, you know, there's more to men than meets the, the eye. There really is. And and, I, and it was just that idea of once you do get men speaking, you make them comfortable and you create a space where you say, we're not going to take the piss out of you. <laughs> then it all comes out. And so a lot of the book from there is kind of looking at a lot of the cliches around men that were kind of like cold and more ruthless people and kind of just saying that's a load of nonsense, actually, and that boys and men are as fragile as anyone else. We're human too. <laughs> it, shouldn't we stop pretending that it's any other way? And I think there's a certain strand in masculinity and male behaviour where you're kind of in denial of that stuff and you're not supposed to be that guy and, um, and you should do everything you can not to reveal that side to you. And that gets ingrained very early on. So we kind of start unpicking that idea and trying to understand where that urge to deny what's really going on with us comes from. And I think the fact that you're, you walk the walk, if you like, as well as talking to people and finding out theories about masculinity is going to take people through that journey as well and, and get them to question what that means to them and talking about mental health and thinking about how they react to not not only as men but women react to men kind of in this world and, and as you mentioned about Luke Ambler we had him on the podcast because you introduced him to me when you did Podfest for Mental Health and you know as you say Luke is no nonsense but also he knows he knows what happens when you bottle up you don't talk about your mental health because his brother-in-law took his own life. You know, he saw the devastation and I think he's so driven. And once you get a couple of people who are kind of opening the doors to those conversations, the fact that the, the momentum 
is such as it is with something like Andy's Man Cub just shows that we still need this and we need more of it. So I think your book is so important. I think the Book of Man is so important, but also kind of normalizing it in a in a everyday, you know, we can talk about these big subjects, but we can also look at ourselves and and question behaviors of the past of of kind of covering up what we're actually feeling. I think that's that's what this is. And often you know, there is a resistance or a reluctance or even a backlash against this kind of thing of, of men talking in this in this way. But again, I, I keep on returning to the idea of this is this is simply about self-questioning and and um, and looking at issues that are, that are your unique experience that have happened to you as an individual. And trying to understand that where that comes from is a really healthy process. Like just that simple thing. So that can be from whatever background you've been from. You know, everyone has to go through a process at some stage, I think, in order to understand what they are. Um, that said, there are issues in the book that I look into, which, is, which are related to class, poverty, and even politics as well, because mm. I think part of the... It's twofold, that you have to look inside yourself, but there are environmental factors that influence yeah. a mental health yeah. problem. You know, and I think it's really tricky. But when you do look into, you know, statistically, you are more likely to have an extreme mental health problem, which might be also uh, related to addiction. If you are in an impoverished area, the suicide statistics are highest in impoverished areas. And so mental health can affect anyone from any area. Of course it can. But if you look at it on average and you look at it, Um, statistically you you have to look at environment you have to look at where people are raised people haven't got a good quality of life and they haven't got great education and if they come from particularly uh, an abusive background Mm. you know you are much more likely to have serious mental health problems that are going to lead to lifelong issues so I also bring that in as well so it's also which I think is also an important thing because I think people can often sort of um as you question yourself almost blame yourself for it as well i think it's something that you have to untangle where actually if you look at it and go well no this is how you were brought into the world this is the environment in which you were you were made as a human and perhaps it was a a harsh one perhaps it was a tough one to get through you know and so in that sense it's not your fault but again important to acknowledge and look for solutions around this so so, you know, so again, it's it, it's twofold. It's it's looking inwards and it's looking outwards as well. It's like, what do we do as people and what do we do as a society? You know, if we can create more equality in terms of money and gender and race, then you'll have a happier society. You'll have a happier group of people in all these areas. That's the really important thing, that it's not just, it's not just a case of everyone on their own taking time to look after themselves. It's a case of everyone joining together trying to create situations and environmental factors that support the well-being of the larger body of people as well and I think that's that's a message that I think is quite important and it does mean that there's a real sort of stimulus for change within this book just again I'm you know when I say it's it has politics in it it's not a political thing but once you start digging into these issues you start to go okay well this is where this is leading me when you speak to a charity like calm suicide prevention charity a lot of their work comes in prisons and and occurs with the homeless people as well where the risks there are enormous so then you start to look at things from there okay so there's a lot of 
suicides in prison okay what leads people to go into prison why is why is it 95 percent men in prison and so i look at sort of violence and speak to a couple of prisoners who've sort of been through the system and again and again he was just coming back to the idea of being a man a couple of guys that i spoke spoke to one was in for armed robbery or just come out um another guy was inside for stabbing someone but both of them had, had talked about grown up a bit lost as kids didn't really have strong father figures really idealized sort of men in the pub and like pub life mm. and loved like gangster films and that idea of proper glamorous criminality where the men are charismatic and cool and have money and women and all that kind of thing and so they were trying to access that type of man really through criminality and i just found it really fascinating both of them had been through sort of serious drug addiction and were in, in recovery so they'd been through the process of sort of therapy of talking about themselves and understanding themselves both of them had been diagnosed with bipolar and and one of them being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and you know as i was speaking to people like johnny benjamin mbe who you might know as well from the stranger on the bridge who does a lot of work in this space and he does a lot of work with kids in schools and he picked up on something similar. So I'm making a few connections here, but he speaks to yeah kids in school and getting them to be more attuned to mental health and dealing with their, their issues and dealing with their worries and pains and, and try, being able to articulate and understand themselves more. He thought he was convinced that that would be a route towards sort of stemming the flow of young lads straight into prison. And I think that's, I, I think that's true. And, and again, you look at it though and you go it's a, there's a lot of masculine front going on here it's yeah. the masculinity of being a criminal for a lot of these guys but it's also the masculinity of not talking about problems and so you can look at this in quite a profound way then you can look at the exploration into masculinity of addressing some really important issues in our society today so yeah, yeah. it sounds like a light read doesn't it it's a wide reaching read. It will start a lot more conversations as well. And as you were talking just then, I was thinking, how do you feel about life after this book is published in terms of what you've learned along the way? Are there elements of that learning that you want to take forward with the Book of Man or in terms of actively looking to make a change in different arenas? Or is this book about making more people aware so that that can be a collective a collective change, I guess, a collective energy behind men's mental health. Well, definitely just be the pure scope of it and just mm -hmm. getting men involved and getting them to be aware of some of these issues and perhaps get comfortable about talking about masculinity, you know, alone. Yeah, again, there's lots of jokes in the book about, you know, how we don't want to talk about the patriarchy or we don't want to talk about masculinity. It's like, let's just deal with anything else, anything else. But trying to get men to look at these kind of tricky issues i think is a starting point so i think men can kind of clam up and not want to have to deal with it partly because it seems like such a big issue mm. like you don't want to get your head around that kind of thing how do you how do you even manage dealing with something as difficult as masculinity as a whole collective kind of ideas of masculinity or ideas of patriarchy it's like what it doesn't really it doesn't really compute in some ways, especially because the idea of men having a, a really privileged position in society, they just go, well, I'm not, I don't feel privileged at all. Why am I privileged? I haven't got a job. I haven't got this, that, which you get, but also understanding that, that you're in a system which does 
really favour men at the very top in particular, even if it just privileges the, the top 1% of men, it does swing in a male way, which isn't to say that it's men's fault. This is what this is the system that we're in. So trying to understand it and trying to dismantle it, or at least dismantle is perhaps the wrong word, trying to affect change, fairness for everybody seems like a good positive thing. And men's own mental health and well-being is tied up in that. For instance, if there's more equal pay at work and there's more um, and there's a shared um, paternal leave, then it means that men are, are taking more responsibility for, for kids at home, which is good for their well-being. It was seen as a bit not like a man's job and not something that men should be doing to be looking after kids, but actually it can be a, a really great rounding thing for you. Also, just more diverse genders in boardrooms has been acknowledged to improve profits as well as general well-being and stops that really hyper alpha Wolf of Wall Street kind of uh, job environment. You know, these are all good things for men as well. And so I think the, the main things that I've learned from this book going forward, it's, the, it's a big issue and it is about change and it is about thinking big with it. It's not just purely about well-being and looking after yourself, although those things are important to everyone. Of course they are. And through lockdown, we've learned a back to basics approach about exercise, trying to communicate with who you have around you, even if it's just on Zoom, just the basic stuff of what makes you happy. We've kind of been stripped back to that and that stuff is important. But it is making sure that there's effective mental health support in schools and that governments are funding those areas and that governments are not just ignoring the issue. And, you know, those, again, those hyper-masculine guys who are actually at massive wallies, but still <laughs> act like they're, they're in the playgrounds, you know, swaggering about. But those men in charge, instead of dis dismissing these issues as sort of like a snowflake thing or you know, pull your socks up kind of idea. Go on well, no, This is your responsibility. Get it. Let's get this sorted. Let's get proper funding for local communities. Mental health is a really difficult thing to approach. And it's very, very complex. And it's very, very complex to everybody. But I think we know that generally speaking, a happier, more supportive and more evenly distributed societies are going to be happier. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just it's just the way it goes you know you bring up a lot of questions and shed light on a lot of different theories and situations that actually need more thinking and need more support so I think it's brilliant and I can't wait for people to be able to read it thank you your next I am is I am an entrepreneur tell us about that and tell us about how it's been during covid because I'm um, recording this in my spare room. You're recording this in, I think, one of your children's bedrooms. Yeah. How's it been? I'm crouched on a small plastic chair at the moment. It's really breaking my spine. <laughs> yeah, the reason why I brought that up, I'm an entrepreneur, is because I really hate that word, entrepreneur. In that it seems to be conjure up an idea of some someone from LinkedIn looking amazing and kind of swaggering around with the idea <laughs> of like... I'm an entrepreneur and we go to entrepreneur things and we get network as entrepreneurs but and it's it kind of just again I, I just can't stand things that are kind of like a line of fiction and a bit of a pretense it just drives me mad because my experience of being an entrepreneur is it's really difficult and it's mostly me sat like this in some room oh. in my pajamas stressing looking at the bank balance going oh my god 
you know, can we pay the mortgage next month? It's hard work and it's not glamorous work and it's not all, I mean, I don't know who these people are, but I mean, well, maybe they're just better at getting, you know, I don't know, huge amounts of funding from the biggest banks in the world. I don't know. But that's not the reality, I don't think, for for most sort of business owners, you know, that it is all sort of Soho House and, you know, cognac and hair gel. It's uh, it's um, it's a slog. It's painful. And I think you have to really believe in what you're doing in order to keep going with it. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, about three years in now, I mean, the reason why I can keep doing it and want to keep doing it is because I fundamentally believe in what I'm doing and can't leave it alone and have to somehow make it work and make it a success. And uh, my colleague, Mark Sanford, who I do the business with is, is the same, you know, we, we, we will do it. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't expect sort of riches or anything, but you've got to kind of go, we're, we're doing something, we're making some kind of positive impact in the world. And, and this is, this has to be, you know, a, a place that stimulates some kind of change. So, and I think that as we go ahead, as we're looking forward ahead to the kind of things that we do, and I think the the idea that we're all in a really tough time now, mm. you know, obviously the vaccine's coming out and things will hopefully get back to normal as the year goes on. But I mean, mm. my God, I mean, the amount of people at work, the amount of businesses that have closed, it's frightening. It's going to be so, so stressful. I, I just think there just needs to be an acknowledgement of that and you know and, and again more funding behind that and more support i mean there are things out there to be fair there are certain measures that have been out there that have certainly helped my business and you know funding grants and loans those kind of things but you know those loans have got to be paid back and it's it's going to be a, a really really difficult time and it, and again for me it's about trying to get the idea of of being in it together let's see what we can do if we, if we are making businesses and trying to do our own thing as a possible route out of the situation they're in so if people yep. have lost their job then they might be considering this as a time to start a business and i think it's about doing it in the right way as well and instilling those values that you might have within your business from the start and making sure that say your mental health support or your you know parental leave support is there from the beginning and embedding that in the business rather than trying to turn something around later on i mean i've done yeah. lots of talks with businesses and uh you know everyone likes to put on a bit of a seminar a mental health sort of chat during lunchtime kind of thing but when you're trying to get to like serious real change there's very few businesses that take it really seriously they kind of yeah. will do like world mental health day and then go that's that done whereas <laughs> yeah yeah tick that box so that's everyone sorted out for the year it just, just doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that so trying to foster different cultures i think is you know is, is an is an important thing when when you're starting up your own thing but really the other thing that i just wanted to mention on this front was just that this year we're just looking at trying to employ some younger men as well i mean helping some of the, the young lads who are going into the job market and they're going to be met with not very much so yeah so the next few things for us is, is trying to build in some new new areas of the business where we're kind of supporting young lads in that sense and yeah trying to reach out a little bit more and, and grow things in terms of areas that are relatively untouched or unsupported and trying to reach out that way while I go grey <laughs> and 
<laughs> and have to grow vegetables in the garden to feed my children. <laughs> and sit on, <laughs> sit on uh, increasingly smaller stools in your kids' room to, to do exactly, the work. Yeah. I love what you say about entrepreneurship because I do think that it is somehow idealised and we know that the reality is very different. And it, it's really pertinent, actually. I interviewed Leanne Perot, who started Black Women Rising after her own experience of breast cancer. And she couldn't see anything out there that represented her as a young Black woman going through cancer. And Black Women Rising became a magazine, a support magazine. And she's been running the business. She's also been dealing with the aftermath of her own cancer. And, and looking at Looking at that from the outside, you can see how successful it is. But yesterday I spoke to her and she talked about just being completely burnt out. And I think it's something that people don't talk about with entrepreneurship is that you are everything. You're the accountant, you're the HR, you're the, you know, you're the front face, you're the PR, you're the cleaner, you're the, it's, there's so many things about that, that we, we kind of in, in the dragon den apprentice kind of culture, forward pushing uh, personality and that that's just not what it is and we need to talk about that more and we need to talk about the struggles a bit more of entrepreneurship you know in, in some ways it's great in this country that there are and it's an interesting little extra on the social media age as well that is probably easier than it ever has been to start your own mm -hmm. business and get some marketing get some attention probably but starting is one thing continuing it and continuing it through your own difficulties and having to fulfill all those duties is, is quite another and this is this is the other thing so the other things kind of in the book and about mental health I think I think people often lose a bit of purpose in life and find themselves at a certain stage not really liking where they're at not liking the job or the relationship or wherever they are they, you kind of can easily get led down a path school university work you can sort of stumble into things can't you but yeah. we know it you're kind of like what why am I this why am I why am I working here and, and, and time again, you know, the people I spoke to brought that up, you know, the artist, the Connor brothers, and, you know, one of them, James Golding, was a um, stockbroker and just just lived that life and was earning huge amounts of money. And then he just all fell apart and he got into drugs and ended up on the streets before he, he sort of turned to art and managed to sort of get himself back to an amazing position now. It happens all the time, I think, that people just lose their way. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, like, start your own business, do your own thing. But it's a nice option to kind of go, why don't I try to do the thing that I always wanted to, the thing yeah. that I really love? And I think, you know, in that sense, people should be supported towards that, but just know that it's going to be difficult and it's going to be yeah. a journey and you're going to need a lot of people around you to sort of help you through it. And a lot of caffeine. Yeah. A lot of caffeine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about caffeine, before we started talking today, we were chatting about your next I Am and the fact that it's giving you completely sleepless nights, which yeah. is that you're a dog owner now. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but I am. I'm a dog, dog owner. I'm one of those people who got a puppy during lockdown, which apparently has been enormous and every family seemingly has done it. And I'm sort of was in two minds about it, to be honest with you, because for that very reason, you don't want to just, well, people just bored at home. So what do you do? You have another baby, but when I have another baby, or you get a dog. <laughs> okay, so we've got a dog now to deal with. And it's kind of like, do we really need like another creature just to keep us entertained? Can't we like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> write novels or I don't know, start a band as a family or something like that. But... <laughs> without being too cynical about it, it is, it is kind of like the idea of looking after something and having a collective thing that you all have to deal with is quite a nice thing, actually. 
yeah. quite a nice bonding thing. So I was very resistant to getting along. As with most things, didn't go my way. We ended up getting along just before Christmas. And uh, yeah, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. It's a little, it looks like a fox ferret thing. It's a Portuguese pedengo, whatever that means. But it's, it's all right. And it's kind of, I'm quite enjoying just having something else to kind of look after. It is like having a baby. He's really attached himself to me in particular a lot. So every time I leave the room, he cries. During the night, it's a bit better now, but during the night, he, he needed to be able to see me next to him so he'd be next to my bed and after every time he's crying during the night i'd have to stick my hand up he'd lick my fingers then go back to sleep so it's like that he also lets me carry him around like a baby as well on his back so yeah it's, it's like like having a child but i don't know i've never owned a dog before so i was a bit like i'm not bothered but i do like it and i do understand why people like it i think yeah just looking after something that is very loving and towards you back <laughs> On a basic level, that's nice. I'm laughing because there's a certain grudging appreciation that's going on against the backdrop yeah. of your child's room. <laughs> you're kind of grappling with the fact that you actually really like this, but you're, you're trying to kind of maintain yeah. a, not cynicism, but there is a joy. There is a joy that, yeah. that animals bring and dogs bring and um, it's unconditional love. And we don't get a lot of that in life. We don't get a lot of absolutely everyday unconditional love and um, it's yeah. joyous. Yeah, it is. It is. It's nice. But yeah, it's interesting you said that. I mean, clearly, again, I said I'm the worst of these kind of things. I've clearly gone down a traditional trad dad route by being the one going, oh, we don't need that. Don't need a bloody dog hanging around me. All this stuff, you know. And yeah, I'm carrying around like a baby and like, you know, <laughs> giving in like cuddles all the time. Typical dad <laughs> nonsense. Your life will be forever changed. And we come to your I have, which is I've learned to go back to basics. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think that I touched on it before of, of about some of the learnings from this year, but I think that has been a really important factor in all this going back to basics and that's what i've i think i've learned i've learned that as well um over this last year you try you know it's been awful it's been absolutely terrible but you try to take a few personal things from it don't you i think you know exercise i really need to do exercise i'm dreadful with it i'm really really bad but i need to do it i need to do it so doing that doing burpees in my basement in the room next door <laughs> like 50 burpees which got a really low ceiling i keep on banging my head on the ceiling it's madness but i need it so that fresh air getting outside bit of nature my kids my girlfriend my family friends i have to read that's something again in the rush of twitter oh my god you know what's going on next i, I just it's like i'm not never got to, oh, i haven't got time to read it's just it's just rubbish what am i doing i need to be on my phone i don't so just getting back to that and reading properly has been great. And writing as well is something that I love to do. Just getting back, you know, for me, just getting back to those things. I'm all right. I'm okay. You know, I can bring that back. I think that in the course of the book, a lot of people were talking about this, not mm. related to lockdown. So most of it was done pre that. But whenever they'd been through difficult times, serious depression, it was back to basics is kind of what had saved them. So Jason Fox, the SES Who Dares Wins guy, 
talks about this a lot, but he, you know, he found himself suicidal, literally, literally on the edge of a cliff and brought himself back and, and sort of cut everything away and started again, you know, started getting back into disciplined training regime, connecting with a few people, doing what I really liked, which was particularly like adventuring. So he did a few little adventure things and slowly sort of built himself back up again, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's, that's really important. Obviously, not everyone has the means to be able to. I know I'll go climb Everest, kind of thing. The I think that the fitness boom and adventure boom over the last few years has been really interesting on this front. In that I think people, as well as going back to basics and getting back to sort of like fitness and things that they like to do uh, with other people, is a desire to have a bit of a challenge in life as well and as a bit of a purpose. And I think when that goes, you can find yourself in a bit of a spot as well. You know, which is the, you know the classic thing is losing your job and suddenly that thing that drove you and you got up for every morning you were trying to achieve these things is gone and you've suddenly got this kind of wasteland so trying to regain purpose is is important i think and i th and i think that the explosion in fitness and extreme fitness activities mm -hmm. you know tough mudders and wild swimming or ultra marathons or triathlon cycling all this stuff which has really kind of exploded has been a really interesting one and i and i think that that those ideas have maintained over lockdown period and i hope that kind of thing continues i mean god love the pub trade and the, you know the drinks industry and you know i'm i, I still drink and it's something i enjoy and like to socialize and all that um, but I do think that the shift from pure pub culture to different exercise arenas, particularly for men to, to meet up within, and particularly for men, because it's often a diverse space as well. It's not just purely men. I think that that has been a, a great thing. And I think that's a really, that's one of the major positives that I look at in this book and a real good way out for anyone who's experienced problems, which is to try to engage in some kind of activity you know i think we realized how important it was in the first lockdown when that time outside was limited when we were told you know it's once a day and i think that was a real wake-up call for actually how important that could be for us i do think that that was a catalyst for a lot of people when that eased to actually think about no, that is something that's fundamental to me. I need that space. I need to be able to go out and meet my friends and go for a run or cycle or take part in, yeah. in, in these challenges. So I agree with you on that. I think it's one of the things I really hope stays. So we've come to the final question. If you could meet yourself in 10 years time, yeah. what do you hope Martin in 10 years time would say to you? I hope they'd say to me just simply that you're on the right track. I'm quite lucky in some ways in that I feel like I know what I'm doing now. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you spoke to me three years ago, four years ago, but any other point in my life, in fact, <laughs> any other point in my life, I'd have gone, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm terrified. Right. I don't know what's happening. Who knows what's going to happen to me? But now I sort of feel like I've I believe in what I'm doing at the Book of Man. I've started writing books now that I want to do, and I just want to keep on doing that. That's me now, as far as I'm concerned, for the rest of my life, because that's I keep on wanting to investigate this area. It's, it's not. It's going to be an ongoing thing. These aren't issues that I'm dealing with that get solved right? no. ever. They're not going to be solved. It's a continual process of trying to improve the well-being of people basically isn't it really and i just find it really fascinating so having that 
it's you know I'm, I'm in quite a decent situation so just the idea of, of keeping going you know not not giving up so I just want to hear that basically you're on the right track that's wonderful I want to thank you for coming on again talking to me again and for writing the book and for everything you do with the book of man I'd love it if you could just tell people where they can find you the full name of the book and it's out on the 18th of February yes it is and it's called you're not the man you're supposed to be into the chaos of modern masculinity which I think is the longest title any books ever had it's a good one you are not the man you're supposed to be is basically the main title but yeah that's out 18th of Feb everywhere yeah and then the bookofman.com is uh, is our site and on social media the book of man on instagram and all those places so yeah and you can also get the audio book as well the audio book yeah it's going to be on audible as well around the same time you can listen to me trying to articulate some of the phrases that i put into the book unfortunately i name dropped like loads of like philosophers and academics which i just could not pronounce as well as various phrases which, uh, yeah, I don't know where they, they came from, but, you know, little like little pretentious flourishes that I put in the writing really came to bite me on the arse when I had to read it out. <laughs> well, I mean, you need to download that just to, just to hear Martin say all of those things, but it is a fantastic book and lovely to talk to you. Yeah, great to talk to you. Thanks Thank for you. Me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Find out more at happiful.com, counselling directory, and download the free Happiful app. If you need help immediately, the Samaritans are available 24 hours a day on 116123 or you can email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful.